Hi, you're listening to Chip Chat, a podcast from Intel where we talk about technology. You'll hear from experts both inside the company as well as those who work with Intel to create great things. I'm Marcus Yan, technology evangelist, and this episode is about Rocket Lake. That's the codename of Intel's 11th gen core desktop processors. These are the CPUs that will be in many of the gaming and creator desktop PCs you'll see this year. To learn more, I spoke with Marcus Kennedy, general manager of the gaming and esports segment in Intel's PC business. It was a fun conversation with many nostalgic moments about what got us into gaming, what keeps Marcus playing Counter-Strike even after all these years, and just how many frames per second are enough. And of course, Rocket Lake. Welcome, Marcus. Thanks, Marcus. It's going to get weird real fast <laughs> oh, if we, if we yeah. keep doing hey, that. I think it's going to be a great episode, right? You know, the, the joint, <laughs> combining Marcuses. I love it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, tell me, tell me a little bit about yourself. What do you do at Intel? Uh, well, uh, I mean, the general manager title is really just a, a fancy way of saying that we have to talk a lot to people and convince people that, uh, you know, that we're doing the right stuff for products. And so uh, luckily I get to do that relative to gaming and gaming PCs uh, and esports. So I get to act like I'm making decisions and uh, guide a business to uh, to go delight a billion gamers out there in the world. So kind of an exciting space to be in. Awesome. And how many years have you been with the company? Oh man, uh, it'll be it'll be 15 years. Actually, wait, hang on. Yeah, 15 years on Friday um, is my is my 15th year anniversary at, at this company. And uh, I guess through through that 15 years, I've been in. Uh, I started in manufacturing and kind of moved around to uh, to engineering and engineering management. I shifted over to finance, did some stints in business and strategy and marketing, uh, silicon planning, uh, all before I, I kind of backward fell into this job. Okay, so I mean that's a lot of experience. What's what's been your favorite role at Intel? Ooh, uh, is it okay if I say this one? And you know, I I I'm pretty sure my boss is going to listen to this, so I, I really don't mean that as kissing up. But I honestly think this is my favorite job. I mean, I, as an avid gamer, a former professional gamer, and you know, somebody who who actually really likes to touch and feel the products that we make uh, and put out the door and change the world, uh, I couldn't think of a better place for me to be in uh, at this company. And though though I've had a lot of great jobs and worked with a lot of great people. I, I really, truly, honestly believe that this is my favorite job. Well, I mean, they say work isn't always all fun and games, but if you're leading the gaming segment, I, I guess sometimes it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm going to start using that. I'm going to steal that one. So, so you said, you know, you, you mentioned prof- professional gamer and, you know, you, you also work in the esports side. Tell me, tell me about, you know, your professional gaming experience. Yeah, uh, I was a I was a professional gamer before it was cool, but certainly before uh, you know they became million dollar contracts and all that stuff. Um, and and maybe you know I might not be in this job had I been a professional gamer now. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I I grew up in arcades, right? Uh, playing Street Fighter. You see a Street Fighter thing back there. Uh, Mortal Kombat uh, in arcades. My dad would give me five bucks at a uh, putt putt golf and games, and I'd spend a whole Saturday making thirty tokens last the whole time. So you know I competed because it was the only way I could spend my time and I had to make those 30 tokens last. But, uh, so I grew up playing fighting games in arcades. Um, and then, you know, that, that led to, uh, me kind of building my own computers and, uh, doing first person shooters at home. So I played, uh, Counter-Strike, um, back in 1.3, 1.4 in Source, uh, was, was really my first entry into real competitive gameplay 
built my computer, take it to LAN parties. Um, and then uh, much, much later in life, a, a few years down the road, I started playing Smash Brothers. Um, and uh, in the grassroots community uh, there, I, I kind of uh, built, helped build that up and, and became uh, top ranked in, in the Smash Brothers Melee world uh, and got to fly around to, to play, play video games and get paid while, while I was working at Intel, actually. I was on a compressed work week uh, on, in manufacturing. So my front ends were working at Intel. My back ends were flying and playing Smash Brothers and, and Counter-Strike and Halo, uh, which was the, other, the third game I, I would play. So. No, that's amazing. I, I think I think we have we've played a lot of the same games. Um, I just remember just loving Street Fighter Two, and you know Mortal Kombat, and of course you know the best thing is you know if you want to be up next, you put your quarter, your token on the corner. Oh, of the absolutely, machine because you got next up, right? And absolutely. Yep, and and yeah, things have changed a whole lot. But so you've gone from like arcades to you know Nintendo consoles now to PC. Um, well, that's a, that's a good way to uh, segue to to talk about our na- our new exciting processor, Rocket Lake. Um, so let's, let's talk about Rocket Lake. What is, you know, what is Rocket Lake and who, who is Rocket Lake for? Well, uh, well, what Rocket Lake is, I think is probably the easier question to answer, right? Uh, it's our, it's our new 11th generation Intel core processor, right? Series S, um, uh, and, and which, which just means that it's powering the next generation of desktops and who's it for? Well, th- that's a little harder to answer because frankly, um, it's it's our best processor out for desktop. So it's for whoever wants great performance out of their desktop, right? Uh, and you know, I'm the believer that at least in the gaming segment, you know, uh, gamers want performance, and so obviously uh, we th- we think that this is a great uh, a great processor for performance. But you know, creators also want performance, and so it's a great uh, it's a great processor to power your your creator desktop. Um, and really, anybody who wants uh, better performance out of their desktop should be getting and looking for a Rocket Lake system. And um, and I know Rocket Lake is unique because it represents kind of a shift in in you know our processor architecture and the and the way that we think about it and the way that we we design our processors. So comparing um, and Rocket Lake, you know, we're using the code name because it sounds cool for eleventh gen, but there's uh, it's a pretty uh, distinct difference between the previous generation, tenth gen, Comet Lake. And Rocket Lake, and I do know that the tenth gen Comet Lake, we topped out at uh, the Core i9s had ten cores, uh, whereas um, Rocket Lake has eight cores. Can you tell me a little bit about that decision? Yeah, yeah. So, so let me let me start actually with with the first part you were talking about about architecture because it'll help answer the second part uh, about eight cores versus ten cores. So, so first, um, the the thing you got to know about Rocket Lake is it, it is on fourteen nanometers, right? A um, fourteen nanometer node, um, and uh, we've been on fourteen nanometers for a while, uh, and, and that comes uh, good and bad, right? The the good about being on fourteen nanometers for a while is that it's a finely tuned process, right? Our manufacturing folks know how to put out the best 14 nanometer products um, that we put through the factories. And what that translates into in terms of architecture is it translates into the best clock speeds, right? Um, and, and so th- that's, that's the number one thing. The, the second thing though, uh, and this is the, the kind of the bad about being on 14 nanometer in this case, is that what that means is that your, your transistors uh, are a little further apart, which means that you can fit uh, less of them onto a, onto a die, right? Onto a wafer. And so um, what we did was we took a 10 nanometer process and ported it back onto 14 nanometer in order to kind of get the best of both worlds, right? Uh, we were able to maintain the highest clock speeds and the highest performance that we, that our manufacturing folks can give us uh, in the top bins 
uh, while bringing in some really cool architectural improvements that we're able to bring from 10 nanometer back onto the 14 nanometer. Now, what that means uh, when you do that is it actually takes a little bit more more room. And so uh, going from 10 nanometer to 14 nanometer just means you can't fit as many uh, into as many cores. And so eight core was the best we could get at the optimal place of speed, performance, cost, uh, profile to, to get the architectural improvements that uh, that Rocket Lake had. So uh, that's that's why we did eight uh, eight cores versus ten cores. But uh, they're they're eight. Frankly, they're eight screaming cores, right? And and with those cores, we're actually able to to reach up to the same clock speeds that we had on Comet Lake. But because it's a a new architecture, it leads to about 90% uh, generation over generation IPC improvement, um, as well as some other really cool things that we've been able to bring over, uh, like our integrated graphics, which uh, is our XE architecture, which is the first time that we're bringing XE architecture that launched first with Tiger Lake uh, onto desktop, uh, among a couple other features that I think we'll talk about in a little bit. Wow. Okay. So 5.3 gigahertz, right? That's that's the top end of Common Lake, and we're reaching the very same with our new yeah. architecture with Rocket Lake. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit more about you know the effect of architecture? You know, it's, I know the new one is called Cypress Cove, right? And yeah. that kind of brings in some of the best of what we had with Ice Lake and with graphics. We're having XE coming in from Tiger Lake, two fantastic uh, chips. Um, what is what is that? What does a new architecture actually bring? What does it mean? Yeah, so you know, I, I talked a little bit about the uh, the IPC improvement. So you know, it, it might sound like, hey, they're they're just kind of matching up generation over generation when you say we're reaching the same clock speeds. But remember, the clock speeds are are uh, often you know determined by what you're able to get with your binning and manufacturing. And so uh, the reason why that's true is because we stayed on 14 nanometer, which which actually is a good thing for clock speeds. Uh, but because we're doing it on a 10 nanometer process that was backported, it just means better performance, right? So uh, so that 90% IPC. Uh, improvement and as you know, I to IPC right instructions per clock. What that really means is that uh, even at the same clock speeds, you're able to just do more. Your your workloads are able to run faster, and you're able to just get more out of your of your chip um, because you have a new architecture that is able to run them faster, even at the same clock speeds, uh, which is 5.3, which is again best in class. Right, you can't get to to that level of clock speed in the industry uh, outside of Intel architecture. Um, so that's that's first. The second thing you brought up was was the integrated uh, integrated graphics, and w one of the really cool things about this new XE uh, Intel um, integrated architecture, integrated graphics, is is that um, bringing that into our Rocket Lake architecture really means that we're able to deliver up to 50% improvement on uh, on things like content creation and productivity as well. So when you when you look at those two things, uh, increased IPC for single threaded workloads, and you bring in the integrated graphics, and you bring that single threaded performance over to content creation and productivity, uh, we see per, we see performance gains gen over gen across the board. Eleventh gen also brings in a new generation of PCI Express. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So uh, I mean, there's there's a number of things that that uh, we're bringing with Cypress Cove um, here into into Rocket Lake that we didn't have before on Comet Lake. So uh, you touched on PCIe Gen 4 already. Uh, that's that's a really big one, right? This is our this is our first desktop processor with uh, PCIe Gen 4 lanes, and it'll be it'll have up to 20 lanes there uh, for this one. Uh, we'll have up to DDR4-3200 support. We'll have enhanced media, uh, enhanced display, a bunch of overclocking features like we always have. Uh, we'll have support for resizable bar, which would be great. Um, and we, we've also introduced a number of AI capabilities as well, deep learning boost, VNA support, stuff like that. Um, the idea behind all of those things, by the way, is to just make sure that uh, we're bringing as many of these capabilities to market 
um, as quickly as possible for, for desktop. You know, uh, we haven't been in Gen 4 and desktop, and so this, this is the first time we're doing that. And then that'll prepare everybody for the, uh, for the Gen 5 in the future as well. Okay, so, um, so we're hitting Gen 4. Gen 5 is around the corner, but does this mean that you know, Gen 3 is all tapped out, or, um, <laughs> or is there headroom still? Are we just way ahead of the game here? No, 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 we're definitely not way ahead of the game. In fact, uh, you know, if we're being honest with ourselves, we might have even been a little behind, uh, right, uh, by maybe maybe a few months uh, to a year on Gen 4. And so uh, it's great that we, we've got Gen 4 here. I think Gen 3 still has some legs. There's lots of uh, applications and attached that that uh, operate just purely up to Gen 3. Uh, but Gen 4 just uh, allows that attach to go faster, whether you're talking graphics or storage or whatever that you're using to attach to it. Um, Gen 4 just, uh, just uh, rockets, <laughs> excuse the pun, uh, goes go straight go straight past that. So so for those people who are thinking about bandwidth going over the the PCI Express bus, I mean, what kind of devices really take advantage of PCI Gen four, and which ones are still perfectly fine on Gen three? Yeah, I mean, uh, the 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 easiest one to talk about, right, is going to be your. Uh, is going to be your discrete graphics, right? I mean, we're we're, we're talking uh, we're talking gaming here, and so uh, obviously that's the number one thing that that hits uh, that that most people care about. So uh, the the Gen four and, and attaching that to your best discrete graphics card is going to be your best bet and the, the best way to take advantage of those lanes. Okay, well, discrete graphics. I know gamers uh, definitely want to put those in their in their desktop systems. Uh, you, earlier, you talked about um, what the new integrated Iris Xe graphics brings to desktop and, and more Rocket Lake specifically. Um, why would we put such, I mean, admittedly great integrated graphics on mobile from Tiger Lake? Why why concentrate on those on a, on a desktop system where there's definitely going to be a discrete GPU? You know, that's a really good question. Um, I, I'll, I'll answer it in two ways. First, it's uh, it's that just from a uh, simply speaking, right? Having two separate graphics cards uh, in your system, one integrated uh, in the in the CPU package and, and one uh, discrete, actually allows for uh, greater performance efficiency. Because depending on what workloads you're running, uh, your system might decide, you know, and, and it might be tuned to run uh, on integrated versus on discrete. You might not need to to power up that discrete card to run something pretty simple, whether you're browsing or whether you're, uh, you know, watching something like uh, Netflix, Hulu, or something else, right? Or even up to 4K, which is one of the things that disintegrated graphics actually does really well, as opposed to even say entry discrete graphics cards. So let's say you were uh, buying an entry gaming system, for example, you you only had so much money to spend on on an entry gaming card, you could still do 4K uh, streaming with uh, with this XE integrated graphics. So so that's the, that's the first thing. The, the second thing I'd say is that you know talking about tuning, there are a lot of game developers out there uh, that actually develop their games in ways to take advantage of where the graphics are. Sometimes they're fully GPU bound, um, but sometimes that GPU doesn't have to be discrete. Sometimes it'll actually look for integrated first because it's faster and the latency is lower to, to get there versus going all the way through your PCIe Gen 4 even uh, all the way out into your discrete cards. And so sometimes it, it'll actually lead to smoother gameplay depending on what kinds of games you're playing uh, and sometimes uh, lead to greater performance efficiency and sometimes open up better experiences than you might have if you're if you're running an intergaming system. Now, thinking back to Iris XE and what it brought to Tiger Lake, um, it had some pretty great, you know, AI features too. Now, that's not the only thing. I know that the new architecture, Cypress Cove and uh, and Willow Cove, brought along some cool AI features. Um, do, does Rocket Lake get a lot of the same? you know, AI benefits that they came with the other 11th gen processors? Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually this will, this will, this is the first time that we're bringing these AI capabilities to our S series desktops. We've, we've had it uh, actually on our high end uh, or high, a, 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 a HE desktop line 
uh, before in our workstations. But uh, things like deep learning boost and VNNI uh, commands and instructions actually do a do a lot for you uh, in these systems. So you know from from things like uh, image classification or background blur removal, especially right now, you know when when people are on video all the time and uh, you know doing work from home stuff, you you've got those those blur images on on your background. That's using a ton of processing power to make happen. And so with things like VNNI uh, and, and Deep Learning Boost, it, it actually helps with those to stop using so much of, uh, of your system and, and your power. Uh, that's, 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 those are a couple examples. A couple more, we've got uh, you know, speech recognition and language translation with GNI. And you know, what, what, the, what those allow us to do are introduce things like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll whisper mention it here, uh, that we're actually launching an anti-toxicity app for gamers that take advantage of uh, the GNA, the acceleration uh, that, that happens inside the silicon uh, as well. Um, so uh, thumbs up on, on these AI uh, integration on these capabilities. I, I actually think, you know, when, when you add all these things together and you put that on top of the single threaded performance and the IPC improvements that we talked about before, uh, that combination is really what lets you actually start seeing some of the increases that we're seeing in, in some of these other applications, whether it's, you know, productivity or content creation, uh, both Generogen and versus comp. Oh, I've heard about that anti-toxicity app. That's super cool. And I, I, from what I know, it uses that GNA, that's Gaussian Neural Accelerator. That's right on the XE graphics. And it's able to, you know, very, very quickly um, without using a lot of compute intensive power because it is hardware accelerated to analyze the speech and anti-toxicity. We're, we're going to be taking out a lot of that, that hate speech and um, profanity in online games, completely on the client side, right? This is anything that that's right. people can control on their own. It doesn't, there's no censorship, but it's a, definitely something that a user can control. And uh, that's right. a benefit that someone will get running Rocket Lake S. So, and, and one one of the things I'll, I'll touch on that you just said, you know, uh, you, you talked about control. I I, I believe this is so important. Um, I, I think the desktop, the PC in general, but the desktop more than anything is a platform of customizability, a platform that puts, you know, uh, the the power and control of an individual, what you want your experience to be in your hands, right? Versus taking it away from you and having it be really, you know, curated and, and locked down and with, with all these wall gardens. And uh, the design of this anti-toxicity app, to your point, uh, it really follows that train of thought. You know, it's not censorship, but it allows you to, to control what you hear. Uh, and, you know, the toxic kind of environment that sometimes comes, unfortunately, with our world of gaming uh, is the number one pain point for, for gamers who, who want to socially game with their family, with their friends, and all those other kinds of things. And, uh, and so we're, we're giving power back to the gamers to be able to turn that on or off so they can game as they choose. Oh, that makes a lot of sense, especially for Rocket Lake, something that gamers will, will definitely want to put in their, in their new builds. Um, another thing that you mentioned is resizable bar. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. So, so the first thing to note is that uh, th this it has to obviously be enabled by uh, by the partner vendors, right? We've done everything we need to do on our part for Rocket Lake Systems to go out and and support this. But uh, on motherboards that have been enabled to go do this, it's a partnership with Nvidia that that really allows us uh, the the processor to access the discrete graphics memory uh, in, in a much more seamless kind of way, right? It allows you to access more of that VRAM. And so, what that does is it reduces that latency between the processor and the uh, discrete graphics uh, because you don't have to transfer as much. Uh, and when you are transferring it, it reduces the latency there. So what all of that translates into from a real world perspective uh, is it just means that your workloads are going to run faster, right? And so if you have GPU bound workloads, as we know that games, uh, that a lot of games are, then uh, what you end up with is, again, smoother gameplay, a better performance and uh, less jitter, things like that um, with this system. So 
on the gaming desktop side with enthusiasts, overclocking is always one of the big things um, that that is a hallmark of Intel processors. What does Rocket Lake bring for overclockers? <laughs> yeah, so uh, so I I love this question by the way. Uh, so overclockers are are a community is kind of near and dear to my heart. I, I, we talked a little bit about, you know, um, control and putting the power and control back into the, the user's hands. And really nowhere, I think, is, is that more clear uh, than, than the overclocking community. I mean, th- these folks, uh, and if you're listening, you folks, uh, I, I just love how you just try to find every way possible to, to crank out as much performance as you can out of, out of these processors and out of these boards and, and all the chipsets and everything that go with it. So, so just to touch, touch briefly on this, so first, um, you know, uh, along with Wi-Fi six and Thunderbolt four and, and some of the other uh, connectivity things that, that we've we've brought to, to market, uh, uh, again, you got to make sure that the motherboard vendor uh, that you go with uh, that is compatible. Uh, from overclocking perspective, we actually have a few new enhancements and features. Um, so first, you know, uh, we've got some memory uh, things that we're bringing to bear uh, this time around. I, I think Dan Ragland, uh, our overclocking expert, did a chip chat with you guys a while ago and talked a little bit about this already, but. Uh, for the first time ever, we are uh, enabling uh, for non-KSQs memory overclocking up and down the stack. So this goes for uh, B series, H series, or you know the the top of the line Z, Z uh, series chipsets um, to to actually enable memory overclocking. And of course, memory overclocking is one of these things that people have been asking for 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 a while. So we listened to the community and and made it happen. Uh, and uh, so that gives you just one more knob to turn to to increase performance uh, to performance as you go. Uh, the second is AVX related. So uh, we actually have um, with AVX2 and AVX512, you, you now have the ability to do offsets and voltage guard band overrides um, as well. And what that lets you do, right, it lets you just tune even more. Uh, you can crank up uh, a little bit more, take on some of these AI capabilities with AVX512 uh, in order to in order to crank even that uh, that much more performance out of your system. Uh, and then last, right, we're, we're obviously just uh, e- enabling just an overhaul of the, the whole suite of everything that we have, including uh, a, a new um, a new extreme tuning utility, right? Uh, a new version of that that lets you really uh, make, make it a little simpler to do all the stuff that we're talking about and, and uh, a nice uh, nice new ref- refreshed uh, view, including an AVX disable enable option. Because for some of you out there, I know, you know, uh, cranking up uh, performance doesn't always have to come with a trade-off for, for cranking up wattage. And, you know, when you run an AVX 512, it's, it's obviously going to run you a little hotter. You might not have the best cryocooling technology out there. So this this will let you actually turn it off and still get the gains from the overclocking without the AVX 512 uh, gains as well if you, if you don't have, you know, the high-end cryocooling and stuff like that that, that, that requires that. A um, couple extra uh, extra things that, you know, we haven't talked about. The memory controller now has Gear 2 uh, support in addition to Gear 1, uh, which uh, also allows you to, on average, reach higher average overclock frequency levels um, on, on these new processors than, than we had in the, in the past. Uh, and then last, with compatible motherboards, which you'll always hear me say because it always has to be with compatible motherboards, um, you can make changes now to your DDR4 frequency in real time, uh, meaning you can toggle now with the new utility between the boot frequency and the XMP profile, uh, one live in Windows. So with all of those cool things, what that lets you do is really uh, gives you even more knobs, even more ways to tune, and uh, a, a nice refresh utility to make it simpler and easier to do. So for experienced overclockers, uh, they will obviously love all these all these different knobs, and definitely that the ability to control, you know, whether you're whether you're enabling uh, AVX five twelve or not, because like it's like you said earlier, it brings all these great AI features. But if you don't need them and you want to use that extra headroom to scale your frequency, that's that's a 
a great a great kind of a, That's a right. knob to to adjust. That's but right. For those people who don't really know all that much about overclocking, you did mention the uh, Intel Extreme Tuning Utility, the XTU, and there's also the Intel Performance Maximizer, the IPM. So these these tools are they able to control give give the you know maybe the novice overclocker those that type of control to be able to get the most out of Rocket Lake without really spending a whole lot of time learning a whole new you know you can really I was saying you could really go down the rabbit hole by learning <laughs> all about overclocking but if you want to spend less time tinkering with your system and more time gaming um, are the XTU and IPM just as good. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, and again, you know, we're, we're refreshing the XTU, making it even even simpler. Um, it is still a very technical tool, right? And so, you know, uh, now with nice YouTube videos like this one, you can learn a whole lot, and yeah, I think you can you can do it. But that's really for the the, the main technical folks to to really to really kind of dive deep. But you know, uh, if you want to spend a little bit of time learning that one, it's really really good, and you don't really have to have a PhD in overclocking to use it, right? It's simpler, it's easier to use. Uh, but IPM really or Intel Performance Maximizer is really the one that I think, uh, if you go download it uh, with just literally a couple of clicks, you can really I think get the most out of your uh, out of your system without having to worry about all those really fine tuning uh, that that the experienced overclockers uh, really have. Uh, one final note uh, that that we haven't talked yet about, but uh, there is backward compatibility here. So for those of you who don't want to upgrade to you know a 590 board or something like that, the, the 490 board uh, Rocket Lake is compatible with those as well and uh, backwards compatible. So uh, you don't have to upgrade all the way. But uh, and I will always say this again, like I said before, uh, your best bet in order to get every benefit of every feature that we've been talking about here today uh, and make sure that you you can crank out the best performance. You obviously want the, the best motherboard uh, and you want to go with the, the top of the line chipsets in order to get the most. So your Z590 on your best motherboards is the best way to get the most out of, out of your uh, Rocket League system. Okay, cool. Let, let's talk a little bit more about that then. Um, you know, we talked a lot about features that are built into, you know, the Rocket Lake chip itself and the SOC, but um, let's help me separate what, what are the benefits of going to that 500 series board? Um, and I think you mentioned a couple of those features, but let's break it down for me. What, what are the benefits of going with the latest chipset? Yeah, I mean, so so the the main one that's I, I think the easiest to understand is overclocking. Just just first and foremost, the, the Z five ninety right, the Z series chipsets uh, are all about the CPU processor overclocking. Right, this is what lets you uh, kind of crank up, uh, get using thermal velocity boost plus all these other things to to get up to the five point three. It's and even beyond. And for for those of you who have like. Uh, uh, not just ambient, so not just your your desktop, just sitting uh, in your in your room uh, with the fans that that have been delivered to it, right? Uh, but you actually open it up. You you've got the kind of top of the line cooling technology. You could even get up to up to even you know I don't want to promise anything here, but beyond five point three, uh, because really your your limits are really only in your thermals, right? Only how hot your system can run. And so uh, we, we've we've put as much as we can uh, and as much enabling into the Z five ninety and the motherboards that that have it all enabled uh, to, to be able to crank up as high as you can uh, and remove all, the, all those guardrails possible so that you can get as much out of your system. Um, and so the number one thing is process CPU processor uh, overclocking and cranking up as much as you can uh, to get the highest clock speeds possible. Um, the memory overclocking, as we talked about, is actually available on B and H now, not just Z, right? Um, and so you don't need Z to, to have that, but uh, the, the Z series are really where your CPU overclocking is. Now, there, there are a handful of other 
other uh, of other benefits to going up to uh, the Z500 series as well. Um, you know, uh, one example, right, is uh, the 3.2 Gen 2x2 uh, 20 gigs, which increases the USB connectivity. So we, we're doubling connectivity speed on, on USB, right? Uh, there's uh, DMI Gen 3.0, which doubles the bandwidth between the chipsets and the processor. And so, you know, between the chipsets processor, we, we've increased how fast the data goes between those. Um, you know, I already talked about the PCIe Gen uh, 4.0, and so our 500 series support that 4.0. Uh, whereas on uh, your your 490s, you you might not get that support on uh, on the 4.0. There, there's a handful of motherboards out there that have figured out some ways around that. Um, and we already talked about some of the other things like the discrete Wi-Fi 6E support and the Thunderbolt 4 support that you get on the 500 series. So just better connectivity all around. Yeah, it's faster, more performant, and lets you just get more out of your system um, uh, across the board. All right, so there's no shortage of new features coming with 11th gen Rocket Lake. Um, what about for someone who just loves building PCs but is always on the bleeding edge of technology? What would you say to the person that you know has that 10th gen CPU, maybe even a you know Core i9 10 core CPU? What would you say to that that person who's thinking about upgrading but not really sure what the benefits are? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. You know, uh, I, I actually love Comet Lake systems. My uh, my last computer was a Comet Lake system, and uh, I think that they're still great. Um, but Rocket Lake is better, and we, we've talked we've talked quite a bit about um, you know uh, the better IPC gains gen over gen. We've talked a bit about the new integrated graphics, PCIe Gen four, uh, faster connectivity, faster transfer speeds, all these other things with all these benefits. Um, the, the eight versus ten core is is a question that we get a lot, right? You know, we we talked a little bit about why we made the decision, but I, I would say to the person who, who's thinking about upgrading is, you know, wh what kind of work are you trying to do? It, uh, e even if you're trying to do more threaded workloads like content creation, things like photo editing, video editing. Uh, I'm of the opinion that Rocket Lake is still a better system. And the data that we're, that we're using, uh, that we're seeing kind of come in uh, from our testing shows that uh, as we add in those AI features, like we talked about, Deep Learning Boost, OpenVINO, and you add that to the integrated graphics, and you add that to the fact that we've got better single-threaded IPC performance, um, you put all those things together, we still get better performance on Rocket Lake for multi-threaded applications, uh, even, even with eight cores versus 10 cores. And so, yeah, it's true that... Uh, some some applications, some things scale uh, pretty linearly as you as you grow cores. And uh, if you're into those sort of things, you're really kind of driving those. Then maybe staying on Common Lake is the right thing for you. Uh, but for every other application, for every other thing that you're that you're trying to drive, whether it's single threaded gaming, whether it's uh, even some of those multi threading applications, like we talked about, uh, I, I'm of the belief, and our testing is proving it, that uh, Rocket Lake is still better. Okay, cool. Well. Um... So for anyone who's who's actually convinced and really wants to build a new system, uh, now is kind of a strange time to be finding PC parts. It's really hard to find a GPU. Um, same with CPUs. What are the, what are the, our expectations for you know how easily it's going to be to get hands on a Rocket Lake CPU? Yeah. So so first and foremost, right? Uh, this this space has just exploded. Nobody knew that the that the overall market was going to grow the way it did, right? Um, I mean, it, it's been growing at a double digit clip, but with uh, with COVID um, and people staying more at home and then refreshing their systems, upgrading, wanting more power, wanting more uh, applications, and actually buying more computers per person uh, than we've ever seen in the history of, of, of this market, um, it, it's just led to uh, to just, uh, it's harder to find any of this stuff, right? Um, that said, we are really confident 
uh, with our Rocket Lake supply. And, and, and the reason why we're really confident is, kind of this goes back to the 14 nanometer conversation we had before. Uh, part of the reason we stayed there was because we wanted to make sure that we had as much supply as we possibly could. And so this launch is actually the, the most supplied launch that we've ever had with a desktop system. We have more, uh, more processors ready to go than ever. And so we think that you'll be able to find whatever Rocket Lake processor you want um, as, as we have been advocating for you to go buy it, we wanted to make sure you're going to be able to go buy it. Now, I can't speak for uh, our partner supply or our competitor supply or anything like that. I'm not going to speak to any of those things. But uh, relative to our CPU and our systems, we absolutely ha- are confident in our manufacturing capacity and our ability to supply our partners. All right. Well, that's great news. For, so for people who really want to get one, what's what's the date? What's the When, when can we find them in stores or on uh, retailer shelves? Yeah, so uh, so March sixteenth is where you'll start to see some of this stuff, uh, some some of the news and things embargo. The end of this month will be when you'd be able to go ahead and uh, and pick them up. Though uh, we are we are allowing some pre sales uh, through some channels right now. Great. So you mentioned that your last build was a Comet Lake system. Uh, what are you gaming on these days? <laughs> yeah, uh, the the thing I'm gaming on right now is a, a gaming laptop. Um, not not a gaming desktop right now, uh, but it's a, it's a gaming laptop with a Comet Lake in there. Like I said, an i7, uh, and it's got a a 2080 in there, and it it runs. Uh, like I said, Comet Lake's still a great product, and so it still it still runs uh, a lot of the great games right now. But um, uh, it's that's, that's what I game on when I'm gaming on, on PCs. So I, I play, uh, you know, Counter Strike Source. Uh, come see me uh, if you if you want to get shot in the head with the Desert Eagle, uh, <laughs> or you know, I, I like uh, Three Kingdoms. It's a great it's a great series, um, and I'm playing through that right now. Uh, and the Avengers game, which is a fantastic game, and as you can see behind me, right, I'm a big comic book fan, so uh, I, I really enjoy playing the Avengers as well. Uh, in addition to you know all the other stuff that I play with my kids, right? So you know we'll play Smash Brothers still. Ultimate uh, with my kids or Mario Kart and uh, stuff like that. Uh, and I'm replaying Final Fantasy X again, uh, remastered mm-hmm. on the PS4 because I, I just can't get enough of, uh, of Final Fantasy games. Part one. No, that's, that's, that's cool. So, okay. So all this talk about um, desktops, I, I have to ask, you know, I mean, again, that, that common like gaming laptop with that GPU is, is, is legit, but um, why the laptop? Why not a desktop? <laughs> uh, well, I, just to be perfectly honest, um, I've been waiting for Rocket Lake, and and I I, I know that sounds like a plug. Uh, I know I I know it does, but I, I mean it. Um, so yeah, I figured with the gaming laptop, I, I could kind of it could kind of hold me over until Rocket Lake came out, and so uh, I'm I'm literally uh, going to be building my next computer next month. Uh, and I'll have to say, sometimes I, I game on a laptop too, and a, the big reason why I like that is it it's easy to move around. So I see you got that TV behind you. Um, honestly, it's pretty, it's, it's a lot easier to move a laptop and hook it up to the HDMI to the TV than it is. Um, it is. It is. And, and, and the good thing about some of these gaming laptops, especially with like Comet Lake and uh, some of the work that we do on the platform is they're pretty, pretty well balanced, right? Between power and performance. And so you don't, you don't have to keep it plugged in all the time if you don't want to. Uh, and so it, it actually works, it actually works pretty well. But again, I, I'm, I'm biased to, you know, all the tuning and the cranking and all that stuff. And, and you, you can't get, uh, out of a gaming laptop, the kind of performance you can get out of a gaming desktop and so I, i've been waiting for rocket lake to come out so i could crank that bad boy i'm, I'm trying to break six gigahertz man I, I that's what that's what i want so uh that's where i'm going <laughs> are you gonna use any special cooling 
Uh, I am. So I'm going to use the Intel cryocooling technology, which uh, which we launched uh, as well. So uh, that plus plus Rocket Lake plus uh, the best uh, the best graphics uh, card that I can find that's on the market, uh, and then uh, and then just crank that bad boy up. Okay. So for those who don't know, we're going to go back to that overclocking side. I have to ask cryocooling for those people who haven't heard of cryocooling. What is it? Uh, yeah, so uh, I'll touch on this briefly, but um, please go go look it up. Google Intel Cryo Cooling, and you will find everything that you want want on this stuff. But uh, re- really, what it is, it's it's uh, a really cool technology that you can place inside your uh, inside your desktop build um, that allows you to run at near ambient temperatures. Uh, it's it's it, it, and with that, plus all the other cool stuff that we've got with the tuning utility, plus the thermal velocity boost, all those other things, that really allows you to get up to those really high clock speeds without burning down your solders on your board, right? Um, and so it's, 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 it's pretty cool. And, and uh, we, we actually just launched, uh, just launched that as a, a cooler through Cooler Master um, late last year. Okay. And well, okay. So clearly you, you are a, that's interesting. You are like kind of like a gamer of all types, but you mentioned Counter-Strike and yet you're running these, you know, high-end GPUs and you want to hit six gigahertz. Um, how many hundreds of frames per second are you trying to get in Counter-Strike? Is like 300 or more? Like, is that not enough? 300, 300 or more. But I, but I don't play on 4K on Counter-Strike because uh, I, I actually play on, I still play on 1080p because uh, it's, it's like that right mix of smoothness plus size of reticle so that I can really get, so I can really kind of nail it, right? Um, today. Now, I'm sure that as, uh, as some of those, uh, as some of that technology gets, gets a little better, I'll, I'll switch over to 4K. But for now, uh, 1080p is, is where it's at. Um, and and where, that, where those graphics cards and, and that high end really kind of shines is, is in games like a Three Kingdoms and some of those other ones where, you know, when you're, when you're trying to march on a field with thousands of units and you want to see every blade of grass while, you're, while you have your archers kind of going after uh, these, these samurai, right? Like, there's nothing like it uh and and that for that kind of stuff you need to crank it all the way up uh to on those ultra settings awesome well so okay so i you know what what got i'm interested in you know you're a comic book fan so i want to i want to talk about origin stories right you know you talked about street fighter but what was what was your first brush with with gaming <laughs> uh well this that's a really easy answer um my 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 friend down the street uh when i was growing up uh, had a Nintendo. He was the first person on the block to to have a Nintendo, and we all used to go over to his house because he had three games. He had the Mario slash Duck Duck Hunt uh, dual cartridge, right? Uh, he had the gold cartridge Zelda, which was like you know mind blowing, right? <laughs> um, and uh, and we had Contra, right? And so we'd all take turns and we'd all play that way. And uh, I realized then and there that this was probably going to be my life. Um, and so, you know, fast forward, uh, I got my own console for the first time uh, when I was in third grade. It was a Christmas present. It was a Super Nintendo. And my brother and I stayed up uh, playing UN Squadron and, uh, and Street Fighter um, 2, kind of back there again. Uh, and then now take that and translate it back into arcades, right? Then I, I used to, again, I grew up in arcades and played uh, all those games there. And so, when I, when I put all those things together, it was it was always consoles and arcades until my mom came home in the sixth grade with a PC, and 
uh, I'll quick to quickly share share a very brief story. Um, the uh, she, she, it was a I'll never forget. It was the GeoWorks operating system, right? It wasn't even Windows, uh, and it was a compact computer that she got from CompUSA. So those are three things that don't exist anymore, right? <laughs> uh, just to give you a sense, I to age myself a little bit. Uh, and she uh, uh, and she came home the next day after she brought it home from work to find me in the middle of the floor with the parts of that PC scattered on the floor because I just needed to see how it worked. So I took it apart to figure out how it worked. And I didn't realize at the time <laughs> that, that you can't actually work a PC if it's not together. And, and so I learned very quickly uh, how to put a PC together, how to build my own computer under duress because my mom was going to kill me if I didn't put that computer back together. Uh, and so I put it back together. Uh, and when I did that, that was the first time that I got introduced to PC gaming. And so I, I played things like uh, uh, Starcon, Star Control, uh, and Scorched Earth, uh, if you remember these games, right? And uh, so I, I was playing those. And then uh, that then got me into like text-based games uh, with Gemstone 3 and, and RuneScape uh, and EverQuest. Um, when it, when it started kind of going that route, Baldur's Gate and, and those kind of RPG games. Um, but all, all of that was like the beginning until Warcraft came out. And Warcraft changed my life. Uh, I, I, I loved where I spent, by, at, when that came out, I probably spent 10 of my 24 hours a day playing Warcraft and then later Warcraft 2, Starcraft, all those games versus, you know, the one or two hours a day I was spending on my console, right? That's when I really realized that PC gaming was really something special because uh, you could play with friends across the world, uh, although it was on dial-up internet at the time, <laughs> right? You could play with friends who didn't sit next to you uh, in these games that just had these rich visual experiences with all this control that you had. Um, and and so that's that's what really kind of kind of brought me brought me to the world. Wow, yeah, um, we certainly have very similar origin stories. Uh, same thing. I remember, uh, like a you know, elementary school classmate of mine, he had an NES, and I went over there and I wasn't sure what it was. I didn't go over specifically for that, but his dad brought one home, and I remember that he was had this gun shooting at the TV, and yep. uh, you know, not only ducks were falling, but he had that other game, Hogan's Alley. And Hogan's Alley was, was great. Uh, it was just amazing. I can't believe that you could like point something to the TV and something responds. And that was, you know, it's, uh, it was obviously such a formative memory that, you know, you and I both remember those, those yep. very intense moments. So yeah, it wasn't long yep. before, you know, very thankful that my parents kind of gave in to my requests and, you know, I, I have, you know, it got Contra as well. Still remember the Konami code, right? those 30 lives. <laughs> that's right. About that, right. I love that BABA start. That's exactly. right. <laughs> exactly. And, and the same thing, you know, um, PC gaming was kind of fun. There was no Nintendo at school, but they had, you know, old Tandy computers, and that's when I discovered, wait a minute, you're playing games on those computers? And it's it had King's Quest, and that kind of got yes. me into some more interesting. King's Quest was great. Yes. King, yep. Yep. All those are you know RPGs, and that that was uh you know that was you know g- good gaming all over the place. So very and, very fond memories. And if I could add to that just briefly, right? So um you know this is where think games like uh like Dungeons Lair, right? You remember you remember Dungeons Lair, yeah. and uh it, where you saw it in the arcade, where it was this great you know, cartoon kind of experience. And then you saw it on the computer and it was like, looked almost exactly right. But then when you try to translate that to the console, it just didn't, it just didn't do it. Right. You just didn't get the same, the same experience. Right. Uh, on those. And, and I think that that Delta really, that kind of, that kind of shift King's quest was a great one. Uh, I mentioned Baldur's gate and some of these other ones, uh, why PC gaming kind of just holds that special place in my heart, even though, you know, my, my first entry point to it was, was through the console. Well, that's exactly right too. And I know that, you know, the worlds of console gaming and PC gaming are converging 
But basically, when you want the best experience, the best frame rate, provided you get the hardware to do it, the best resolution, usually those, even those console games that are ported to PC, sometimes they're really worth waiting for. That's right. They, they absolutely are. Yeah. You're not going to find a console that's doing 300 frames per second. Uh, no matter how much you spend on it, it's not going to do it. <laughs> that's right. Or, or if you were ever playing you know, Counter-Strike on, on a console, well, the only place you're going to oh. really be able to find it today is oh. on PC. Yeah. Have you, have you tried to play PUBG on the console? <laughs> oh, oh, it's just not, it's not, it's not awesome. <laughs> well, so all these games, so you're still loyal to Counter-Strike. Why, why not? You know, like you said, PUBG, why, why is that not your main game? Like, oh, I still, I still play them. I, 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 I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm loyal. I'm nostalgic. Right. And so like Counter-Strike just hold that special place in my heart. Uh, you know, shooting somebody from across the, from across the screen with a jump spin with a scout just doesn't, there's no analog to that, uh, to in, in PUBG, right? Uh, that, that said, right. I do still play some of those other ones, right? Call I love Call of Duty. Uh, I, I, the Call of Duty series, uh, Modern Warfare, especially like that, that, that game, Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2, especially were, were great games. Um, you know, PUBG is a great one. Uh, I really enjoy Overwatch. Valorant is an incredible game, uh, right. And I, I, I really enjoy playing that but you know if, if if you ask me what my favorite games are i always go back to, to the nostalgia which is why i'm still playing through final fantasy 10 again i i go back to chrono trigger which is my favorite game oh, ever yeah. right so like uh, I, i'm just you know i'm a sucker for nostalgia no i i'm just giving you a hard time i'm the exact same way i, I can go <laughs> even further back um i think that you know the and it comes back to time, right? How much time do you have to devote to games these days? You know, when you're working in, in the industry, it's, it's a, it's a little bit more difficult, but yeah. for me, yeah. if I, if I had to pick my favorite, favorite time, it's absolutely, you know, the first quake quake world when they, when they had yes. quake that was optimized for, for land code. And then the quake world was optimized for dial up really. Right. And, and those, those, that was, those, those are the best days. Um, when, and when 3d accelerated quake came out too, that was so quake one, quake two, yeah. quake two arena. Yeah. And 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 I, I won't say exactly what I saw, but uh, Duke Nukem 3D uh, was was I think my, the first first person shooter I played on a PC uh, when I, when I was a kid. Uh, not a great game to introduce to a uh, a tween uh, boy at the time, but uh, but it was fantastic. And then you know I played that Unreal Quake. Uh, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, we Duke can, Nukem, you got to you know kick ass and chew bubble gum and kick ass. All out of a all out of gum. Of gum. That's right. That's right. <laughs> all right. Well, hey. Um, on that note, let's. I want to thank you for coming on Chip Chat. You've we've really talked about games. It's been a really enjoyable conversation. Of course, Rocket Lake. That's that's kind of the reason why we're having this episode today. Um, yeah, I wanna I wanna thank you for showing us um, and telling us everything about Rocket Lake. Yeah, it's, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And, you know, uh, I didn't shill on Rocket Lake before. I promise I really am going to go build a Rocket Lake system. But uh, this is a shill now. Uh, this this really cool package with the i9K, this is the Rocket Lake package. Uh, you'll be able to find it on shelves uh, at the end of the month. So go go pick one up. All right, Marcus. Thanks so much. My pleasure. That was my conversation with Marcus Kennedy, general manager of the gaming and esports segment in Intel's PC business and a true gamer who busted out the Konami code unprompted. Now, the central topic today was Rocket Lake. That's the 11th gen Intel Core desktop processor. It's got an all new architecture called Cypress Cove hitting desktop for the first time. This architecture has been running successfully on Intel's 10 nanometer mobile chips and has been adapted for 14 nanometer for Rocket Lake, which will go a long way in ensuring an adequate supply in the market. That new architecture brings up to a 19% IPC improvement meaning that the CPU gets more work done every cycle, plus new features that accelerate artificial intelligence applications. It's got an all new integrated graphics core too, which helps some of those new AI functions. 
Rocket Lake also brings with it many new overclocking features and even makes some high-end features like memory overclocking more widely available. Along with Rocket Lake comes a new 500 series chipsets for motherboard makers. The new platform brings tons of new capabilities, especially in the connectivity area with PCIe 4.0 on Rocket Lake CPUs, Wi-Fi 6, Thunderbolt 4, faster USB, among others. Now that was a lot. And there's a whole lot more coming up in the ChipChat series. We're available on SoundCloud and other podcast platforms. The video version is available on YouTube on the Intel Technology Channel. Thanks for tuning in to ChipChat, and I'll see you in the next one.